Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, welcome everyone. It's good to see you all. We're starting a new series today and, and as we head fly past Thanksgiving, head into Christmas. And so uh, I would like to just again encourage you if you're married to consider attending this marriage seminar that we're offering. The sign-ups do end tomorrow. John already mentioned this, but I just want to reiterate it. So uh, it's something to continue to invest in uh, in your marriage, and it's a, it's a great way to do this. Uh, Nathan Lewis has been speaking into uh, my life and many of the couple's lives here for many years. And so I, in June, I'm going to be celebrating 20 years of marriage, and that for you might feel like a short time or a really long time, depending on who you are. And so, uh, but I would just encourage you to uh, to attend that. And so, um, we'll, we'll, my wife and I will be there. And I think right now we have around 70 people signed up. So, uh, this is something that uh, year after year uh, it, it creates an opportunity to, to build family life. And so, uh, if you'll invest in, in your marriage, and so I want to encourage you on that. Uh, today we're starting this new series, and we should have a fun time with this series of messages. For many of us, holiday movies, are they have an, an important place in, in the Christmas celebration uh, for some people. The movies of the season are even more exciting than decorating the tree and doing all the decor things. In fact, for me, it's kind of like the victory party that the tree decorating and the house decorating is over. I get to watch a movie and enjoy some dessert. So uh, for some of you, you enjoy the, apparently you like the decoration part more. So uh, I get it. I get it. But we decorated last night, and we topped it off with uh, uh, watching Elf, the movie Elf, and we had a good time doing that as a family. Uh, But holiday movies themselves kind of bring up a lot of memories of the season, and uh, I, I probably enjoy them a little too much, and so there's a handful of movies I really enjoy watching this season, so we've got our, our stack that we're intending to go through. I'm sure you have your own. Uh, one of the goals of this series, as we walk through uh, a handful of Christmas classic movies and draw some themes out, is we want to uh, draw some of the themes up in order to run them through the filter of the Bible. Uh, movies are an important source of, of ideas for many of us, and we, we sometimes build our lives off of the media messages that are coming at us through songs, through the movies, through things we read, the magazines, the articles. And these messages that are coming at us, oftentimes they just impact us and we begin to build our our identity and our thinking and our patterns off of the things that are coming at us. And so it's really important, one of our goals is to to, to filter, to, to practice filtering messages through the Bible. Uh, that is one of the objectives of, of this series or the hopes of our series that we can filter some things out and practice doing that filtering really matters uh, here's an example of why filtering matters a few years ago i went to guatemala on a mission trip and small team we were kind of scouting out an opportunity to work with a uh, a group of churches that were started in the jungles of guatemala where there's uh you know not the common or not the uh, normal services that that you and I typically enjoy, and so everything was very remote, and it was fascinating to be there with those people. But while we were there, we had to filter our water because our stomachs couldn't, didn't do well with the water there. And so we had pump, uh, like, filters, and then we had gravity filters where you'd scoop up water, and it would just draw water through this bag, and over time it would 
filter out the impurities. Uh, the folks that lived there, they would just drink the water right out of the stream. But for us, we needed to filter it. And uh, it, it mostly worked. Uh, I say mostly because about a month after I got home, uh, I didn't get, I didn't feel like I was normal. I just felt a little off. And uh, stomach was sort of bugging me. And, and one day I was brushing my teeth, and I noticed that my toothbrush was black. And I thought, that's unusual. And I'm like... Did I eat charcoal last night, or did I have licorice or something? And what? It was like black. I looked at my tongue. My tongue was black. I'm like what in the world? So I Googled it. You know, which that's a bad idea. You know. <laughs> so then I went to the doctor, and they, oh yeah, you, you've got this uh, this issue <laughs> from. So basically, something got through the filter and uh, had impacted me. Uh, I got the antibiotics that I needed, but it's similar with media messages. We may not realize their impact for years. We may not realize the impact of the messages and the ideas that are coming through. So we need a filter. Wouldn't you agree? We need a filter to check out what we're taking in. If you're a Christ follower, the Bible is, is, is your guide. It's your standard. It's the filter that you run all things through. Uh, but beyond just filtering out and contrasting, comparing messages from the movies, uh, another thing we're going to do with this series is we're going to look at two of the parallel Christmas stories that really are mixed into our celebration. So the first story is the traditional story of Santa and his elves. And that is something that is widely celebrated. And the other story that often runs parallel with that is the historical spiritual story celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, God's gift to the world. And it's, it's celebrated by a much smaller portion of our population. Wouldn't you agree? And so with these classics, we're going to look at how these two stories often intersect. And also there's all sorts of biblical themes that run through the movies, uh, the Christmas classics. And so we'll have a good time looking at some of these. Today we're going to look at a story that is uh, not a Christmas, but more of a Thanksgiving. So it's a Thanksgiving story. All of the movies we're looking at show up on what's called the Rotten Tomatoes uh, list. Um, so Actually, some of them are the top 25 Rotten Tomatoes movies. Uh, here's the disclaimer. As we go through some of these classics and highlight some scenes from these movies, the disclaimer is this. I'm not endorsing these movies. I'm not telling you, go out and buy these movies. So, so don't, um, don't hear me saying, you should go make these your family uh, favorites and classics. In fact, if you have kids, you're going to want to read the parent guide on some of these movies and make sure you should even show these to your kids. And so, uh, but I just know some of you will watch these movies at this time. And so uh, the first one we're going to look at is this. It's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's starring Steve Martin, John Candy. Just by show of hands, has anybody seen this movie? Okay, so half the room. Okay, at least half the room. I'm going to show you a trailer, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the story. So let, let's watch the movie trailer. During holiday travel, some people get delirious, some get delayed, and some get Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. 
Flintstones, meet the Flintstones and a modern family. Paramount Pictures presents Steve Martin. Ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see that home while you were there? See the second show. That's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Planes, trains, and automobiles. So here's the here's the idea here. Neil Page is Steve Martin, and he's Neil Page is trying to get home to see his family for Thanksgiving, and and just happens to end up in the same taxi cab as Del Griffith, who is incredibly annoying. Okay, as you as you see from the the scenes, the play, you know, John Candy's playing Del Griffith, and Del is just he's quirky, and so the two of them end up on quite an adventure together. Flights are delayed. They try all sorts of different alternative modes to get home, and including buses, trains, rented automobiles, and to say the least, uh, Neil, he's really getting tired of having to deal with Dell's quirks and annoyances. He's just getting irritated. So over the quarter, through the course of the movie, he just he he becomes less and less gracious with this man that he's just met, and. Now, I thought this would be a fantastic launching point for our message series uh, during the holiday season because the holidays are, are a season where we interact with a lot of people and relationships can get strained and they get magnified during the during this season. And so all of us have people in our lives that make us work really hard uh, to, to be gracious with them. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, some people have annoying habits. Some people can be just quirky in the way that they relate. And we just think, man, we just don't mesh well with them. And so it's during this season where you're you're visiting folks, you're spending extra time with one another. And uh, so I thought this would be a good way to prepare for the season because this movie draws out some real important themes that God has a lot to say about in the Bible. So we're going to address how do we relate to the folks around us in a way that really pleases the Lord? And it's an important question for those who follow Christ. So uh, top of your listening guide, there's this statement. It says, Christ followers are commanded to be forbearing. Now, forbearing is not a word that we often use. Uh, someone explain what it means. But this command to be forbearing shows up many places in the Bible. And we're going to focus on a passage, two passages, uh, both written by a man named Paul. He was the church starter. This first passage is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul's, uh, he's invested in this church. Now he's writing a letter back to them. Ephesus is a city that's now modern-day Turkey. So he's writing a letter to the Christians in, in modern-day Turkey, in this, this church, and he, he writes this to them. He writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He's writing this to Christians. And he's saying, this is the way you're to treat each other. This is towards one another. Now look at the next verse. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, if you back up to verse uh, 2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle, being patient, bearing with one another. The, the phrase bearing with one another is this idea of forbearance. And the definition of forbearance in the Greek, which is the language that the New Testament was written in, is pretty helpful to know. It literally means this. Forbearance means to hold oneself up against something. That's what it means to be forbearing. You're, you're, you're keeping yourself pressed up against, or held up against something. You're 
putting up with it. You're bearing with it. Okay. It could be an object, it could be a person. Uh, maybe it's something prickly, like imagine like a, a cactus or something, and you're, you're, you're coming, you're, you're actually forcing yourself to, to stay up close up to something. Now, what, what happens when you are irritated or annoyed with someone? What do you want to do? You want to get away, right? You want to pull away from them, you want to maybe push away from them, but you don't want to stay up close. You don't want to hold yourself up against them and, and be forbearing. Uh, but here, Paul, he writes to the church, he says, we're, we're commanded to bear with others in love and refuse to detach and disconnect. Uh, so how, how do you really pull that off? Well, in the passage, you actually see some qualities and some attitudes that are really setting the stage for bearing with others. So, so back up again to that verse. It sets the stage to forbearance is humility. And so you have kind of listed out what these things, you guys can move forward on the, actually move ahead on this. Keep on going. Humility is this, putting yourself under others. Verse 2 it says, he says, be completely humble. So to be humble means, it's, it's actually an attitude of deference. It means to treat other people, the people in your life, as more important than yourself. To be humble is to look to their interests before you look to your own interests. Even though we're all equal before, uh, before God, humility literally takes a step down and, and allows others uh, to, to be exalted, to have their interests met ahead of our own. And with an attitude of humility, there really is an absence of arrogance. If you're a humble person, there's not, there's not the arrogance, there's not the pride. Now, when someone is annoying me, um, I really struggle with humility, don't you? I, mean, I struggle to be humble because the knee jerk is to think man they should know better think of the movie clips you just saw this annoying character i mean think of what annoys you what gets on your nerves maybe there's some people that come to your mind right now it's not just stuff it's people that come to your mind the knee jerk is to think man they should know better by now don't they know how annoying they are and what we end up doing is we end up exalting ourselves. We take a step up above them. We put ourselves in a better human being category. And we look down on them. When we get into being annoyed and irritated with people, we, we actually, you know, we're, we're looking at them and we're exalting ourselves because we think we're just not that quirky. We're just not that irritating. We're not that annoying. And so what we need is we need a go-to source to deal with the emotions and thoughts that come up when we start comparing ourselves to others. Paul references the attitude of humility. Then he says, be completely humble and gentle, he says next. Be gentle. Gentle is the exact opposite of harshness. Go ahead and pull that one up. It it means to be mild-mannered, to be mild-tempered. And gentleness with, with one another, that makes a difference when you're gentle, when you're humble, when you're gentle. It flows out of humility, gentleness. Then he says we're to add the quality of patience. The word patience in the the New Testament, there's a few words that can translate patience. Uh, One of them, this one means to be long-suffering. It's when we patiently bear with someone or we endure something uncomfortable or someone unpleasant for a long time, to be long-suffering. 
It's like you have a long fuse and you just deal with it. You just, you just, you, you put up a, these three things, humility, gentleness, and patience, these set the stage for bearing with other people over the long haul. If you, if you grow in these, if we grow in these, and, and we need to grow in these because otherwise what happens is we start lashing out at people. And we sometimes we just I've had it. You start bubbling up with the irritation, and you're like, I can't help myself. And then we let the words fly, and we we go off. Now I have a scene here to illustrate that. In, in this movie, Neil he finally he's just fed up. He can't take it anymore. He's been on this road trip with this guy for far too long, and he's just like, somebody needs to tell him just how annoying he is. And so I'm going to tell him. And so he just kind of takes off the restraint, and he just unloads. So let's, let's watch this scene. You're no saint. You've got a free cab. You've got a free room. And someone who will listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd, li- I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I, I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. Wow. It, it continues from there and just, it gets, it goes from hurtful, hurtful to just harsh. And he just starts really railing on him. Now, when I'm annoyed and irritated with others, the thought comes to my mind, like, man, what's your problem? Why in the world are you acting that way? And you, you might have your own thoughts going on in your mind when you're around someone who's, who's bothering you. But, you know, it's actually pretty helpful to remember that they may have something going on in their life. There might be a problem in their life. There's likely a reason in their personal backstory that's a source of some of their quirks. And, and we often don't know what those are. Understanding a person and really knowing a person's backstory actually increases our ability to love people and, and bear with people. The truth is, about all of us in this room and everybody on the planet, is that we all have problems. There, there's no escaping that. There's no escaping causing problems. There's no escaping doing wrong in our lives. And the truth is, we can all be annoying to someone. We don't. It's hard to believe that, isn't it, sometimes? When we look in the mirror, we don't appear to be annoying. But the truth is, to someone, somewhere, maybe nearby. And so if we do what he did on that clip, and we, if we just give people the tongue lashing that we think they deserve, then the question is, what does God think about that? And Paul says, be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. This is to describe. You know, this is to be the way within God's family. When we lash out, what does God think? What if God gave us the tongue lashing that we deserve? Wow, that would be quite a lashing for me. 
I mean, it'd be quite a lashing for me. What about you? I mean, we need a source to help us bear with others. Now, here's the source. If you flip back to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, from verses 21 to 26. I want to look at this passage. Romans 3, same author. Uh, this is Paul. Again, he is writing to the church in Rome this time. And here's the source. Forbearance flows from God's grace to us. And I want to read this perspective. This is a perspective we can draw on to, to grow in this area of being forbearing with one another, bearing with one another. So Romans 3.21 says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Uh, this, the passage itself is sort of confusing, so we're going to go through it, and then I'm going to try to explain what this means. Uh, again, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, how we learn, this is what we learn, how God has made us worthy to become Christians. He's, if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're righteous in God's eyes. He sees you. He sees you as a as a person who's been made right. You're righteous. But you've experienced a righteousness that came apart from the law, apart from doing the law of God. It, you did not make yourself righteous. You did not earn your righteousness. A righteousness has been made available to you apart from Good works. Notice that it says this righteousness has been made known. It's his God has made his known uh, his plan known in detail. Uh, now we we have a reflex to earn God's favor to be to try to make ourselves right. The way we do that is we try to do good deeds. We try to follow God's laws. So we try to line up our lives with what the Bible says, what what, what the Bible teaches. And we do this to try to work to, to balance out the scales of good and bad. We, the more bad we do, we think, well, i gotta, I got to do some more good to try to balance out that scale. Because i got to get right with God. And this is the way we think in, the, in this world. i got to get right with God, so i got to do more good. And what we're thinking is that somehow our self-effort will tip the balance in favor that will make us righteous on some level with God, that we'll be right with God. Um, but it's a humbling thing to realize what this passage is saying. Paul's saying, look, God has revealed, God's made known, a righteousness that is apart from the law. This is, this is a righteousness that's not connected to you doing things right. It's apart from that. We, it's actually humbling to understand that you can do nothing to earn right standing with God. You only can experience righteousness by his grace and his mercy. God has done everything necessary to make us right with him. Romans 3 continues on. It says, There is no difference. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace, grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now, let's pause here. Basically, this starts by saying, Look, everyone on earth... All human beings have sinned and fallen short of God's ideal standard for right living. We, we've, we've missed the mark on God's righteousness. We sin. 
That's why Paul says, for there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We're all justified freely, he says, by God's grace. That's how you're made right with God is you're justified because of God's grace. Now, this word justified, is a, it's a judicial term. It means to be declared right or to be vindicated. So you, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, you're, you're actually declared righteous. Before God, you're declared righteous. If you're a Christian, you're vindicated from your sin. This is what Christmas is, all, is really all about. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sin that stood between us and a righteous and holy God. There's the, there was this major gap and this chasm that existed because of our sin that we couldn't bridge on our own through our own good works, through our own efforts. None of us are good enough. And God sent his son to pay the price to bridge the gap for our sin. That's God's grace. He just demonstrated his love through his grace. And Jesus, he, he says, by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented Jesus, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now, this word atonement is not a it's not a word that we use as well a lot of words in this passage we don't often use but the word atonement some of your bibles might read propitiation which we would use even less than atonement i think (laughs) but they mean the same thing they basically mean uh, it's the appeasement of the wrath that a person deserves to appease the wrath and, grant, and, and to gain goodwill with someone you've offended. That's what it means. And in this case, God. Because of our sin, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we have, been, we have offended God. And Jesus is this atoning sacrifice that was offered up to appease the wrath of God. Sacrifice was necessary. For people to experience forgiveness of sin. God set this up in the Old Testament. You can read about, in the first part of the Bible, you can read about how there was this sacrificial system set up where a a sacrifice could be made to provide forgiveness of sin. And Jesus is the all-sufficient, final, atoning sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Now keep going through the passage. Look at verse 25. God did this. He did this to demonstrate his justice. God was just. Somebody needed to pay the price for our rebellion, for the rebellion of mankind, of humankind. Somebody needed to. God is just. He's, he's fully just. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. See, there was things that We had piled up, our sin had piled up, but God had not brought down his judgment yet upon people. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, there's a lot in this passage. It's a complex passage. I encourage you to go back through it. Um, But verse 25 is, is showing that God himself is forbearing towards us. He has been extremely patient with the entire human race, hasn't he? We've we've fallen short of his righteous standard. He's been very gracious towards us. 
Adam and Eve, they decided to rebel against God's leadership and rule in their lives. And since they did, every person that has ever lived has done the same thing. We've all rebelled from God's standard of righteousness. And he says, there's no distinction. In God's eyes, we have no right to put ourselves above anyone else and say, hey, I'm better than them. When people irritate us and annoy us, we tend to think, I'm better than you. And we exalt ourselves. The annoyance, it's, it's, it's being fueled by a view of ourselves. But this passage actually tells us the human backstory. We've got a backstory, and it's a pretty broken one. God's, he put his plan for redemption in place immediately after the first couple sinned. That was centuries in the making. He writes, in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. His plan was to make known or to unveil in history in the person of Jesus Christ, who was born to live a perfect life and then die to pay for our sins. That's God's plan. All of this, what this means is that we have no ground for pride at all. To exalt ourselves, but we have no grounds for that. It reveals the source that we can actually draw from to, to bear with other people when they annoy us or when they irritate us. The source is God himself. He's forbearing with us. He left the sins unpunished for a season, and then he sent his son Jesus to pay the price that was owed. Now, we need to remind ourselves of our standing before God every day. We also need to remind ourselves of God's patience towards us every day. We're not above anyone else. We've all sinned. And Christ followers, they know their righteousness. If you understand this, you know your righteousness is not something that you've earned. It's, It's only something that has been given by God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And so if we aim to be more worthy through following God's laws, and if we aim to be more worthy than others through our own self-efforts, we become more self-righteous and more judgmental to the people around us. We tend to look down on people if we, if we aim to make ourselves better through our obedience. Obedience is good, but if it's an effort to make yourself more worthy and more righteous, you're missing it. We want to walk worthy because he has made us worthy. We want to walk in response and gratitude to what God has done. And besides, if we could have made ourselves worthy by doing our own good works and following all God's commands ourselves, if we could have made ourselves righteous, then the question is, why would Jesus have to die? His sacrifice would have been unnecessary if we could have done it on our own. And so this passage in Romans 3 is our general backstory as human beings. And it's important to remember this. Everybody on earth has a backstory. Some of us have a personal history and upbringing that has marked us deeply and it has created and the way that we deal with our past is is counterproductive. And so for some, maybe for some we actually annoy people just like Del Griffith annoys Neil Page in that movie. And people have to bear with us. But at the end of the movie what's really interesting is you learn something at the very end of this movie about Del Griffith's backstory. And so you discover an important piece of his life. He, he's been sharing, they've been sharing, uh, you know, their kind of personal histories together. And they're talking about family life. And they want to get home to see their families. And on and on and on. And, and both of them are telling them the stories about the family life. Well, you learn, and we're going to watch this, this scene here from the, uh, the end of this movie. So, sorry, spoiler alert. You should still... Uh, 
Well, like I said, I don't know if you should watch it. You decide. <laughs> Read the reviews first. said you were going home. What are you doing here? I, uh... I don't have a home. Marie's been dead for eight years. takes him home to celebrate with his family and for the holidays and and he kind of receives him into the family and he he meets uh neil's wife and kids and he already knows the story about them because he's been learning and and you know neil didn't really take the time to learn enough about dell's life and to ask enough questions to really understand the person that he was being annoyed by it's a really interesting uh storyline but the next time you get annoyed with someone, you get irritated with someone, ask God to help you grow in understanding and patience. Aim to grow in forbearance in at least these two ways. Reminding myself that I'm a member of the human race that has been forgiven by God. That, that's, that's the common back. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that broken group of people with problems. This is all of us. And then number two, realize that people I relate to every day, they have a backstory. And, you know, I need to ask questions to learn about that. I need to learn about their lives, we need to learn about. It takes time. And so maybe for, for you, the, the question to consider is, how can I slow down long enough to, to ask more questions, to learn more about the backstory that a person in my life might, might be dealing with? If we're dealing with some annoyance towards someone right now, maybe consider, I wonder what's going on in their life that I can be concerned about, that I can pray for, that I can be available to listen to. If someone is, is irritating you or if you know you're heading into some relationships that will be difficult, then maybe consider how, how does this apply? How does this message and God's forbearance towards you, how does that impact the way you would relate to other people? The, the point here is all people have a high value in God's eyes. He has paid a very high price to forgive anyone who turns to him. He'll show grace. And we can be an instrument of grace to other people as we've experienced God's grace. So uh, here's some next steps to consider. What is the specific way you can focus on forbearance? What it, maybe jot down anything for yourself. If there's something, how can I bear with someone in, in my life? That's the question to ask. And then number two, respond to God's offer to forgive your sin by committing your life to follow him as Lord. On the back of that connection card, there's a spot where you can learn how to become a Christ follower. And it's you just mark the box that says, I'd like to learn more about Begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to have a conversation with you and clarify what that means. And uh, so if you, if you mark that, then we'll follow up with you. And, so, and then finally, uh, 
come back for the rest of this series. We're going to draw out more themes from different movies. Next week we're looking at some themes from the movie White Christmas. So I hope you'll join us for that. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for this group that you've gathered. I pray, God, that as we've looked at um, the Scripture and seen just how you love us and care for us and how patient and forbearing you have been with us, Lord, I pray that that would impact the way we see the people in our lives that you've placed near us, people you want us to love and that you care about and you want us to care for. Lord, we thank you for uh, the way you have made it possible for us to be made right with you. I think a lot of people want to get right with God and, and are trying to earn that in some way. But God, you're, you have made uh, this amazing gift possible uh, through the, the gift of your son, Jesus. We don't have to earn that, Lord. We receive it by faith. We receive Jesus by faith. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and how in this month there will be reminder after reminder after reminder of spiritual truths, Lord. And so I pray that as we walk through this month together and with others, Lord, that you would draw up in our hearts the key truths that you want us to cling to and hold on to and reflect on, Lord. And help us also, Lord, as we take in media and, and different things, Lord, help us to screen the ideas and run them through the filter of the Scripture, Lord, so that we can continue to grow. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.